Welcome to This Luxury Life, a podcast where we take a closer look at the finer things. I'm your host, Arpan Ghosh. From Michelin-starred dining to high-profile sporting events, private jets to boutique jewelry, I speak with the people who strive to bring you nothing but the very best. So join me, won't you, as we explore this luxury life. Ask any pet owner, and they will tell you that their pets aren't just animals, they are family. Much like ourselves, we want our four-legged companions to have the very best in life. The tastiest food, the most comfortable beds, and the most high-quality veterinary care. Joining me in this episode are Dr. Lucinda Natras, the managing veterinarian and partner of the Bicannels in Cattery, and Janet Walker, the head of global relocation. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank hi, you very much for having us. Hi, hi. All right. So uh, I guess let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, DKC and the services that uh, you guys offer. Uh, so Do- Dr. Lucinda, I guess we'll start off with you on the veterinary side of things. Yeah, I can I can tell you a little bit about the whole business as well. Um, right. sure. uh, Dubai Kennels and Cat and DKC Veterinary Clinic basically are the same, one in the same business. They just have three separate sort of areas uh, of service that they offer. Um, DKC Veterinary Clinic is obviously a veterinary clinic, um, but Dubai Kennels and Cattery uh, has a, a dog boarding and a cat boarding facility um, at uh, its location in Umrul. And um, it also has the global relocations department there, which, you know, Janet is the manager. Right. And basically, so from that side of things, we, we board people's pets, dogs, cats, small animals like rabbits and guinea pigs and birds when they go away on holiday or if they're needing to transport them overseas and they're needing a place to stay during that process. Mm-hmm. Um, the relocations department basically handles the import and export of people's pets uh, as they need to travel around the world. So people that are coming into Dubai or leaving Dubai, um, uh, Janet's department would handle all of the things associated with that. We also has, as an, as an adjunct to that business, um, we also are the official animal handler for Emirates Airline and Donata at Dubai International Airport. So all animals that are transiting through Dubai which during normal times, not in 2020, and in normal times when, when travel is, you know, at its peak, mm-hmm. that can, can get very busy because many, many, many pets transit through because it's a big transit hub. And so our staff mm-hmm. at the airport will take care of animals when they are kind of uh, basically going from one plane to the next. So they'll need to be toileted and watered and looked after, and that's what they'll do. The clinic is a veterinary clinic, and that's at a separate location in Motor City. And there, we we offer full veterinary services. Okay. Um, and I guess where where did this where did all of this begin? How did uh, the bicannels and cattery uh, cattery? Uh, well, it's it's been around a long time. It started way back in 1983, when um, a number of uh, expat women decided that you know, people's dogs and cats needed a place to say when people traveled. And so they started a business that was then called All Creatures Great and Small. And that um, 
grew and evolved. And our current main uh, owner, who owns the major percentage of the business, um, who is now retired, she actually joined them in the late 80s, mm -hmm. became a part owner in the, mid, in the early 90s, and by the mid-90s, she owned the business outright. And um, basically, we started, as I said, uh, it started as a boarding business, but when Emirates Airlines started to get underway, it was a natural progression for them to, to seek out other animal care uh, partners, and that's how the shipping business sort of burst and became quite a big, a big part of our business. The clinic, though, was added in 2015, so that's only been around for five years, which pales into comparison from the, you know, <laughs> the extent that the business has actually been in operation, yes. Okay, right. Um, and and I, I guess I'm just curious, why um, would it have taken so long to get to the, uh, the clinic? aspect of it that's a good question in fact um, I, our main managing partner and CEO uh, Todd Carson has wanted a clinic for a very long time it's something right. that he'd been thinking of so he right from the word go thought that an animal care business like that a veterinary clinic was a natural sort of progression but um, he, he has a, a very particular way of doing things. He likes things done very well and correctly. And he needed to find the right, <laughs> I think, partnership and setup where he knew he could have people that he could trust to do it. So it took longer than he would have wanted, but it, it came along and it has, I must say, been a very welcome addition to the business. And it, it does complement you know, the boarding facility and the relocations business very, very well because relocations uses veterinary services all the time and so does boarding. Right. And the three together do 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 work quite well synergistically. And how long have you been with uh, Dubai Kennels and Cattery now? Uh, since the clinic started, or were you a part of the process prior to that as well? Well, I, I joined. I joined in order to uh, start the clinic, basically. So I, I, it took us a long time to open the clinic, though. And things are never easy in Dubai with businesses and opening them and licensing. So the clinic officially opened in 2015. But um, I was involved with, with the company two years before that. Janet, you've been here forever as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, 94, I think. No, yeah. sorry, what am I talking about? 2004. I came to Dubai in 92. Yeah. Yeah, since 2004. Quite a long time then. Now, of course, uh, one of the main things that I wanted to talk about uh, uh, with Janet in particular, I suppose, is the, the relocations. Um, so, of course, you know, we have a lot of clients who are coming in from overseas uh, and even a few who are traveling out, um, especially now that uh, travel guidelines have kind of eased up a little bit. We have people going out of the country and they want to make sure that their pets are traveling safely as well. Um, so if you could just walk me a little bit through the whole relocation process and how that works. Okay, uh, that's actually quite a, a big question. Um, each country have their own uh, entry rules and regulations. Right. Uh, you have countries where it's uh, the veterinary requirements are very straightforward and um, there's very little to do in order to travel and it can be done quite quickly. Uh, you also have countries uh, like uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Sri Lanka, where the entry requirements are a lot more exacting. Um, Japan is also one where you really need to be starting the process about uh, seven, seven months in advance. 
Oh, wow. With, with any move, there's always an export side uh, from the country of origin and an import side, right. destination country. Um, there are also countries that allow pets to arrive uh, booked both with the passenger as accompanied or excess baggage. Okay. And other countries that also mandate cargo. Uh, cargo is quite bureaucratic. Uh, the lead times tend to be longer, mm-hmm. um, but the process really does uh, vary quite wildly. Uh, and I think it's, it's difficult sometimes for people to, to, to grasp why we cannot immediately give them a cost. Um, uh, let's take, for example, um, Australia. There are many facets to that cost. And it starts really with, with uh, the status of uh, uh, vaccinations, whether microchipped at that time, mm. and goes onwards, uh, you know, to tests. Uh, also, there is one quarantine station only in, in Australia. So there's often a required onward flight after that. Um, and then the, uh, there are costs from the Australian government, so there are quite a lot of factors take in, take, to take into account. When it comes to flights, uh, you know, with passengers as accompanied baggage, um, again, the airlines uh, all have their own rules and regulations in terms of acceptance. Uh, maximum weight, maximum dimensions, uh, routing, maximum stops. Mm-hmm. Um, Emirates, for example, have flat fees. So regardless of whether or not you're flying into Oman or you're flying into Toronto, depending on a combination of both the size and the weight of the travel box, Mm -hmm. there is a flat fee. Most airlines do have based on weight and also actually end destination. And uh, as you said, uh, you know, for, for some people, it is uh, it is a bit difficult to to kind of uh, get their head around you know, the fact that you can't give them an immediate cost. Uh, maybe they're not quite as um, uh, qu- not quite as aware of the time that is involved. Have you had any you know any difficult situations with someone who wants to get their pet um, kind of uh, onboarded and then they realize it's a more extensive process than they might have thought? Um, I would say it's actually a common occurrence. Um, I think it's more upset and, and disappointment more than anything else. Uh, there are some people that um, are upset with themselves. Perhaps they've known that they're going to be moving for some time, but really haven't looked into what is required for their destination country. And there are others who are just in situations where their, their company has moved them or Regrettably, they've lost uh, their, their jobs right. and they have to move quite quickly. Um, and that's, you know, it's just awful for them. I, I, we all know that just even moving house is one of the most stressful things you can do. And if you're moving country, uh, of course, that, that grows exponentially. Um, timings and, and, and all of the factors that, that come into play uh, people are under such an immense amount of stress and anxiety mm-hmm. um, that, that frequently there is a, there is a lot of emotion in, involved. Right. Uh, now, 
I guess expanding on that a little bit, um, if someone were moving voluntarily, you know, barring any uh, other circumstances, what kind of lead time do you think they should, uh, they should be considering to, to begin the onboarding process? This all depends where they're traveling to. Okay. Um, I, I think as soon as you know, I mean, we get some people that contact us and they're looking at moving next March. Uh, and perhaps the country they're going to, um, you know, as long as the vaccinations are in order, mm. you know, everything can be done, anything else, the balance can be done sort of within 10 days, two weeks. Um, but there'll be other countries where that process, uh, you know, is six or seven months long. Uh, so the recommendation, as soon as uh, you have a plan to move. Some people do have plans that they're going to stay in the UAE or remain in the UAE for a certain period of time. Right. And, and potentially you might have a couple of different countries that you're looking at. Look into what those entry requirements are. It, it's true to say those entry requirements could change between the inquiry and the actual move. Right. Um, they tend not to change that frequently. Mm -hmm. um, but, but do the research and, and do it nice and early. We're incredibly helpful with, uh, with information, um, you know, letting people know what the requirements are. Um, and, and it's just really knowing what you're going to be up against. People that may be going back to a country like Australia, where uh, the rabies teeter test, which is one of the requirements, has to be done at least six months prior to travel. Okay. Um, okay. Once you've had the blood test done, it's valid for two years. So we do find with some of some of our Australian clients we have, mm. when they when they know they're going to Australia, they keep that blood test rolling, uh, not knowing how long potentially they're going to stay here. But right. before one blood test expires, having it redone, so they've never got that shock of the six-month wait, should they be retranched or anything happen back home, that, that means that they need to travel very quickly. Um, and I guess looking at the other side of that, if someone is looking to move at short notice, you, you, know, you, you know that you can't, you know, within the next month or the next couple of weeks, you can't possibly get you know all the necessary approvals and such what can you do in that case is there like an option to for example leave uh, the pet with you for a certain period of time until you can get uh get uh, get their pet repatriated or uh, i guess what 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 kind of alternative can you offer if you can't get them uh, boarded oh, absolutely we can offer boarding and uh, and frequently frequently do and some sometimes it's a very short period and sometimes it's long term um, one of the other the other options people have open to them mm -hmm. is uh, a friend or, or good colleague who may be prepared to take that responsibility and, and care for your pet long-term boarding can be very expensive and as you know, with the situation we've seen this year and uh, country borders, not just the flights, but country borders being closed, right. you have no idea how long your pets may need to stay here, even if you've managed to get out of the country yourself. Um, some people do uh, travel in advance of their pets in order to set up a home there. 
Um, and you know, when the flights and borders shut down on you, you are then in a dreadful situation of, of thinking that your pets would be following like a week behind you or two weeks behind you, or even a matter of days behind you, uh, to then not knowing when you will be able to see them again. Um, so uh, really uh, uh, very taxing uh, emotionally. And of course, financially, if your only option is, 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 to, is to board. Right. Uh, and um, I guess, how have things changed for you this year? Uh, how has, you know, how have all the changes in travel regulations and, uh, you know, border closures, how severely have they impacted you? Well, t well tremendously. I, I, I can't imagine, uh, apart from if you uh, make masks, <laughs> that you've had a very good time of things. Um, you, obviously, the, from a relocations perspective and a boarding perspective, the company was hit very, very hard, uh, as most companies were. Oh, yeah. um, I, I think veterinary, um, you know, or basically healthcare, um, was obviously hit less, less, less hard. Uh, pets mm -hmm. still fall ill and still require care, and and so they were still able to go to uh, to the clinic. And we were able to offer people uh, a free collection and delivery service in order to collect from home where people were in lockdown and take them to the clinic and then uh, for treatment and then return them back home again. But yes, of course, dreadfully impacted. And I think the other thing is, um, it, it's all happened in, in, in stages. There was the sudden shutdown. I remember, um, on a Sunday evening, reassuring a customer that everything was in place for their pet to fly to Australia that week. And two hours later, word came the airport was closing down. Uh, um, yes. And trying to find solutions um, in terms of, you know, passenger freighters, researching different route options. Um, just everything was a struggle. Uh, everything was... Uh, you can't take for granted anymore in terms of, of knowing when this can happen, how it can happen, and how much it may cost. And, and everyone was in a case of, in a state of uh, a limbo. We received a lot of calls from people asking us when countries where borders were opening up, um, when the airlines would be operational again, almost as if we would have some kind of insight <laughs> over and above the, uh, the global news. And, and were quite palpably upset that we did not have answers. Uh, and oh, just, just a terrible, terrible uh, time, I think, for, for everybody. Oh, yes, of course, of course. It's just been, it's been quite a, a bizarre few months. Um, and I guess going, um, maybe going back to you, Dr. Lucinda, in what other ways have things changed? Um, for example, I remember one of the things uh, rather early on in the pandemic as news was still starting to come out of how it was spreading there was a fear for a time that it was uh, that dogs could spread coronavirus <laughs> is that something that you had to deal with people worrying that their pets would be making them sick um not not in a not in a huge degree but there were certainly questions and um you know there, there, there was all sorts of information sort of going about the various social media networks as well um uh I, I think I think people also were worried that their pets could get sick 
not actually necessarily even spread it to themselves that the, that whether you know I had a couple of cases where that where if, if it was a cat or a dog and it had some respiratory symptoms they would want to know if it was the coronavirus because ironically you know uh, cats particularly get get a disease caused by coronavirus it is quite common in them you know the coronavirus as, as a group of viruses have been around for a long time and cause many different diseases mm -hmm. so and um, there was some confusion about that when you mentioned coronavirus and cats, people getting confused that it's got something to do with COVID-19 and it doesn't. Um, but um, in general, I, I'd say there wasn't too much of an uproar about it. I certainly didn't come across any cases of people not wanting to keep their pets or rehome their pets because of it. Okay. I think, um, you know, as time has gone by, it, it, it's, you know, we, we seem to have understood that, that the risk in that area is not particularly high. Right, and that is that is definitely good. Uh, so you know, yeah. it's good to hear that there weren't many you know abandonments over this issue. That's, I guess, one of the concerns that a lot of people would have had. Um, yeah. So I guess, what is now the new normal for you going ahead? Uh, how how are how are things changing as a result of uh, of everything that's happening? Well, we wish we knew. Uh, we wish we knew, but. Um, I think the main thing is uh, everything is very fluid uh, and continues to be um, when you start to feel that things are, are getting a little a little further or closer to to resuming normality um, you find out that's not the case at all and um, just to for example mention the way airlines are charging um, the way that flights are being cancelled. So, you know, there was at one point a complete, almost complete certainty that you could plan ahead and know that you'd be doing uh, these procedures at this time because you would be traveling on day X. And that, and that really is out of the window currently. Uh, right. We're seeing cases of uh, COVID-19 uh, increase again here in the UAE and other countries, I think the big concern is things may actually shut down again at some point, whether it's other countries. We're also seeing uh, certain airports have uh, either restrictions or embargoes due to the sheer volume of pets trying to, uh, trying to enter that country currently. Right. And this will have come from a backlog whilst flights were not available. Mm -hmm. uh, Frankfurt, uh, for example, uh, put an embargo on um, for two to three weeks. Sheer volume, cannot cope. Uh, probably the best transit facility in the world, a major transit hub, and of course, people flying into Frankfurt just could not cope with the volume. Uh, we have to also remember that at those airports, particularly for the pets that are uh, ending their destination, the social distancing is still a requirement for the handover and that has to be managed right. by them they have to follow protocols mm -hmm. um and and that is uh, that is affecting the number of pets so it's space um uh, in the facility for the sheer number and it's also the requirements for social distancing um at the facilities for the collection of animals um, the UK Heathrow for some long time now has been really overwhelmed. Uh, there is a restriction now on the number of pets, and this is a global restriction that can travel per flight. 
And when this came into play, just one airline alone locally here, mm -hmm. um, the number of bookings that they had at that point had to be spread due to the restriction of number of pets per, per flight over a six week period. Oh. Um, so you can imagine how many pets they'd had condensed travel. And, and, and if you think about all of the airlines, all of the countries uh, are trying to fly, uh, you can imagine the burden that was, uh, uh, um, and the sheer numbers of, of people trying to enter Heathrow, for example. Right, right. Um, and I guess, uh, kind of in line with that, what other process, or are there any other processes that have come into place um, uh, that, that you need to go through before you can get clearances for pets? Um, there are some countries, uh, not very many, that have introduced uh, COVID testing, pre-travel COVID testing okay. for pets. Uh, they are a, a small handful. Uh, the UAE itself introduced um, a COVID-19 annex addendum to the usual um, health certificate for entry into the, into the UAE. Um, that is now required for cats only, initially. Uh, required for any companion animals and that of course uh, uh, just due to pet ownership is predominantly cats and dogs. Right. Uh, the statement um, was quite difficult for the official veterinary bodies in most countries to sign off on within 24 hours um, and it's up to each country's official veterinary body to decide what they require uh, from the pet owner in order to sign off on that COVID annex. Um, and what we're mainly seeing is a, a pre-isolation in the country of origin uh, of around 14 days or minimum of 14 days okay. so that they have been isolated and uh, it can be signed off by uh, the facility that's been approved to isolate them, that they have not come in contact with anyone uh, with COVID symptoms and have also not shown any respiratory issues. Okay. So that is the, the main thing, apart from the issue with, with, with flights and, and, and borders, uh, COVID, additional requirements due to COVID. And uh, I guess in line with that, on the veterinary side of things, are you, um, uh, are you doing any COVID testing for pets at the clinic or uh, is there a separate facility for that? Um, how, how are you involved well, we, in that? Um, well, basically, it's it's the there are labs that do it, um, and we would take the samples. So uh, the only COVID testing we would do are for animals that are exporting to a country that requires it as a test. We certainly are not testing animals because we're suspicious they have COVID or are ill. That's we're not seeing cases or anything like that. But so if an animal needs to to ship, and the requirement of the country is for it to have a test. Um, we are able to take samples and send them to labs and get results. Yes. All right. Well, obviously, lots of uh, lots of changes that have come through. Lots of changes that are probably coming up. Um, hopefully, nothing that that really throws you off. Uh, thank you uh, for coming on the show and for uh, for sharing your expertise uh, with uh, what's happening on the pet side of things. Uh, I, I really do appreciate you taking out the time. I know you're, you're tremendously busy um, with, with everything that's happening. Um, but before we wrap up, uh, I think uh, we'll move on to a slightly happier topic, uh, which is the quick fire that I do with all of my guests. Uh, so would you be, be ready for that? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, favorite cuisine? Uh, Indian. Indian for you. And Jenna? Jenna? I love them all. I love them all. <laughs> I, I don't have it. It's for me, food for moods. That wasn't very quick fire, was it? But food for moods. <laughs> right. uh, a favorite book? For um, me, that would be Atlas Shrugged oh, by mm. Ayn Rand. Mm -hmm. I would go with possibly Shantaram or I Am Pilgrim, I guess. I like, I like boys' books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Excellent choices both. Um, a new hobby that you discovered during lockdown? Uh, I, I became an expert at not killing my husband or my children. <laughs> 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 I suppose that's that's a good hobby to have. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about you, Janet? Anything? Uh, anything exciting? Well, I won't be. Uh, I worked throughout, but uh, what I did discover was um, if you wash your hands enough times a day, uh -huh. uh, the skin on the palm sheds beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. All right, interesting discoveries for sure. Um, <laughs> what would you consider to be your greatest luxury? Well, for me, that would be a, a lion. And for me, that would be a lion too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds like that is something you could definitely use. So yes, you, you get to have <laughs> absolutely. that. <too>. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and what is uh, your next travel destination now that things have opened up again? Well, in fact, um, I, I want to go to South Africa because I am South African and um, I, have, I have a son at school in South Africa. So that hasn't opened up yet. South Africa is still firmly shut. So I'm eagerly awaiting travel to be allowed commercially into South Africa so that I can go and uh, visit him at school and visit some friends. So I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. But in the meantime, I'll just keep working. <laughs> All right, well, ho hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, fingers crossed. Um, and how about you, Janet? Where are you hoping to go? Ah, hoping, hoping. Uh, that would be the Maldives. <laughs> ah, good choice. <laughs> the actual reality is probably... Um, for Jera, but um, <laughs> the Maldives would be superb. Yes. Um, and someone that you would want to trade places with for a day? Come on, Janet, you answer this one. Um, well, um, I've been uh, eyeing up um, three dogs in our office All right. who are gently snoozing on a huge... Uh, really comfy looking uh, bed and 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 really one of them will do me changing place with one of them for the day you can tell i'm tired can't you Arthur? yeah you can tell she, she, she's very tired you see and my, my, my choice would be I, I would i would want to uh i'd probably want to trade places with somebody that would make me appreciate what i have so <laughs> I would probably 
not for a day, maybe four hours, I would trade places with an ICU doctor somewhere in the midst of the COVID crisis so oh. that I could realize that what I do every day is nothing compared to what some people are having to deal with. Wow. <laughs> good answer. Ooh, that is a good answer. But, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with Janet. I would trade places with a dog just having a snooze. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, well, thank you both very much for joining me. I, again, as I said, I do appreciate you taking out uh, the time from your very, very busy day. And, uh, you know, I wish you uh, the best of luck with everything that's happening. And hopefully, uh, you know, you, you get to enjoy that lion at some point soon. Yes. We, we can live thank in hope. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate Thanks, the invite. Thank you, Alpen. Bye. Stay well, stay safe. You as well, thank you. And that is it for the show. You can find all the latest episodes of This Luxury Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. So search for us and please do hit that subscribe button. If you want to view some of the world's finest homes where you can enjoy an incredible luxury lifestyle, visit us on LuxuryProperty.com and please follow us on social media as well. Thank you very much for listening. I hope everyone out there is staying safe and following all necessary precautions to keep them and their loved ones healthy. And we will talk again next time as we explore another facet of this ever-changing luxury life. (music) 